All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 7 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. Switch your league from Yahoo and ESPN, or wherever else you play, to Fantrax today. If you sign up using the promo code DFO at www.fantrax.com slash DFO, you will be automatically entered to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. So switch over to Fantrax today. Get yourself a Nathan McKinnon jersey. But that's the only forward talk that's happening on today's podcast because we are previewing the defenseman today. With me, I've got Dylan D. Berthew. How's it going, D? Doing good. Happy to be here. No Michael B's Bondi today. Just me and D again. Uh, so what's going to be happening is me and D are going to preview the D. Uh, next week, we are going to have me and Biebs preview the goaltenders. Uh, we may have special guest Mike McKenna joining us uh, for a little bit to talk about fantasy netminders from a netminder himself. Mike McKenna recently joined the Daily Faceoff team, so welcome aboard to Mike McKenna. Hopefully, we get him on the show next week, break down some goaltenders. I got a hilarious story about Mike McKenna. Like, not that funny, but the only, like, the only, like, time, like, I, like, when I was writing about Mike McKenna years ago, I probably never anticipated him joining Daily Faceoff years later. So I was going back and reading about like all the things that I wrote about Mike McKenna. Like every time I confirmed him as a starting goalie, not always the nicest things, but uh, 
We'll talk about that on the podcast next week. I'm sure he'll enjoy that. Oh, I'm sure he will. That's a great way to make sure he never comes back on the show. For (laughs) sure. But uh, all right, let's talk about defensemen today. Uh, Obviously, um, if this is the first time you've listened to the Daily Faceoff podcast, um, we preview each position one by one. Uh, So if you start with the defensemen, make sure you go back and listen to the centers, left wings, right wings episodes uh, to date. Uh, And then again, like I said, we'll have goalies next week. But we go through our consensus top 15. We've all compiled our top 15 list of defensemen, make a consensus list of the top 15. And then we go through our breakouts, fades, and or bust, whatever you want to call it, uh, and sleepers at each at the position. Excuse me. So uh, without any further ado, we will get into our number one defenseman for the year and that is Kale McCarr uh, I have him at one Beebs has him at one Beebs having at one is not surprising not as surprising. an Avalanche fan me having him at one surprised you a little bit you have him at two Victor Hedman at one we'll get to Victor Hedman here in a minute let's talk about Kale McCarr first uh, obviously heading into his third NHL season um, though I guess the one issue that you would have about Kale or one concern you would have with Kale McCarr has been health um Missed some time in his in his first season. Missed some time in his second season. Uh, Twelve games to be exact last year. Still finished with eight point per game though. Forty four points, eight goals, thirty six assists in forty four games. In his rookie year, he was close to a point per game as well. Fifty points in fifty seven games. So um, definitely a guy who has not played a full season uh, to this point in time. But um, you know he's been either at double digits or close to double digit goals in each of those seasons and. In a full season, you would only imagine that that would get better. He's a guy that could probably reach the mid-teens in goals. Uh, plays on you know an absolute powerhouse of a team, uh, powerhouse of a power play. So Kale McCart is my number one this year. I don't, you know, I don't think that it is, uh, a, you know, if it was me on draft day, I'm not 100% taking Kale McCart over Victor Hedman. To me, in my rankings, um, these two are neck and neck, right beside each other. Yeah. So. I have him at one slightly, but again, on draft day, I could very easily... Like, maybe I land Nikita Kucherov with my first pick, right? As, right. A, as opposed to Nathan McKinnon. Then maybe I'd want to stack, you know, um, Hedman with Kucherov as opposed to Makar with uh, with McKinnon or, or whatever the case may be. That's just kind of what I'm getting at in my rankings. They are 1A, 1B to me, not a real... Um, you know, difference between the two. I have been belaboring here, trying to kill some time. You have a little spill over there? <laughs> uh, yeah. May have had an adult beverage leak on me a little bit here. Um, but we're good to go. And I think I handled it quite professionally. Um, I think I handled it quite professionally. Well, yeah. I think none was the wiser until you, uh, until you highlighted it here. It has to be highlighted. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But uh, why do you have Victor Hedman above... I just think he's a little bit more reliable when it comes to scoring goals. Um, his shot uh, shot volume is just you know that much better than Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr had 104 shots in uh, 44 games last season, 121 and 57 uh, the year before that his rookie campaign. So he's just over two shots a game, uh, whereas Hedman, uh, you know, usually flirts closer to around three shots a game, or at least in recent years. Um, so I, I like Hedman's shot volume a lot more, um, and I just think he's a much safer bet. Uh, to get to 15 goals if he's healthy this season with, um, you know, Tampa getting healthy around him like we talked a lot about already this week. 
Um, and I just think Kutra being healthy for a full year is going to be huge for everyone's numbers on, on that top power play unit. So I think he's going to be right back around that 70, 75 point pace this season. And I, you know, I, I really think it's a safe bet that he's going to outscore Makar. Um, again, Makar shot volume is not fantastic. He's, you know, had to rely on an abnormally high shooting percentage for a defenseman. Um, nothing crazy high, but you know, like nine, 8% generally pretty hard to, um, sustain that over, you know, a long period of time or basically uh, avoid a, a down year when, you know, you know, have to rely on that, that shot volume. He's obviously a great playmaker. He's a very reliable point producer. Uh, but I just think if push comes to shove, uh, I can safely bet on Hedman to get to 15 goals this season. I'm sure McCarr will get there as well. I, you know, kind of imagine both of them to be up closer to 20, but I, I do think Hedman's going to top him there. Uh, and I think they're going to be pretty similar in point production this season. So that's why I lean to Hedman. I guess the the one th- reason that I had McCarr, you know, over Hedman in these rankings, like I said, they're neck and neck for me. But while I have McCarr ahead because, you know, 44 points in 44 games last year, I guess, you know, he showcased he can play at a point-per-game level. Um, and, you know, maybe he does have an 80-point season in him this year. That's not something we've ever seen from Victor Hedman. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would not be surprised. I'd put money on Hedman probably scoring more goals. But points-wise, I, I think you could end up with, you know, an 80-point season out of Vic, out of uh, Makar, which, you know, career-high 72 points for Victor <clears throat> Hedman. So I think there's a little bit more of a ceiling there points-wise and probably a little bit more of a uh, ceiling there goal-wise for, for Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah, 12% on ice shooting percentage for Makar last year, too. Um and 11.6 the year before that. Obviously, he's playing with a lot of great talent there in Colorado. That's going to help keep that a little bit higher than usual. But 12%, again, just super high to, or super difficult to sustain that from the back end. So I, I kind of feel like there's not that much wiggle room uh, in Makara's point per game production. Obviously, you know, he's shown it over last season. Over a full 82, you know, I would have been a little bit skeptical of those numbers holding out um, and that pace holding out for the full 82 games. But, you know, we'll see it this season. Uh, and like I said, I just think Hedman's a, a little bit more reliable, but obviously he's been banged up in recent seasons as well. And McCarr has been nothing but healthy since day one. So I, I can understand going either way with it, but I do think it's, you know, it's much more of a conversation than maybe the ADP will have you believe. Cause I, I think Hedman's actually third on, on the board and, and, uh, you'll tell yeah, me. Yeah, right he now. is. He, he's number three, uh, on fan <laughs> or sorry on, uh, on Yahoo. He's number three, uh, overall he's number two. He's a little bit higher on fan tracks. Um, but yeah, number yeah, number two overall between the two sites. Uh, but number three and number two on Yahoo, but number three in our rankings is John Carlson. Uh, Biebs actually has John Carlson ahead of Victor Hedman, which is quite stunning to me. Again, another bit of a stunning development from Biebs that uh, he's not here to defend himself, but I'm sure I'll dig into that one a little bit on the Goalies episode uh, next week. So anyways, we've got John Carlson at number three. We both have him sitting there. Just a very, very reliable point producer year in and year out. Um, you know, scores double-digit goals seemingly every single year. He's going on four year, consecutive years now uh, and six of the last eight. Um, and then the two years where he didn't score double-digit goals, he had eight and nine. So I've uh, been extremely reliable in, in that department. A guy that's, you know, pretty pretty reliable shot volume over the years. Shooting percentage never really seems to get too crazy. So to me, uh, it's, you know... McCarr and Hedman just have a little bit of a higher ceiling. Um, you know, Van Carlson, you know, his 2020 season where he had 75 points in 69 games was really kind of just an outlier to me. He had a 13.3 on ice shooting percentage that year. Um, so I don't really ever expect that kind of production to return. But 
there's I have nothing bad to say about John Carlson. I just don't see the same amount of of, of production quite at, at, at the McCarr and, and Hedman level. Yeah, I, I think you know he. I don't think he's far off that that conversation. You know, and um, maybe he's going uh, a, a little bit further from the two of them th- than he should be in fan tracks. Honestly, I, like I said, I don't think it's that big of a gap. Uh, but yeah, to me, like I said, I, I could go either way with the first pick, and and I'm not really leaning towards Carlson there for all for all the points you mentioned. And obviously, Washington's just trending in a, in a slightly different direction than Tampa and Colorado these days as well. So still a lot of great weapons around Carlson. Uh, but it has to be said, it's just not at the same level as what Hedman and uh, Makar are playing with. Yeah, it's, it's definitely trending in the opposite direction as the Lightning and the, and the Avalanche, for sure. Um, all right, number four, we've got Dougie Hamilton. I have him at four. You have him at four. So other than our top two, which really could go either way, we've been in lockstep so far. Uh, Biebs has him at number five, but comes in as our consensus number four defenseman, Dougie Hamilton. Uh, if you missed it, uh, moved to New Jersey in the offseason. I'm not getting really a lot of love in, in the general public right now. 31.6 ADP on fan tracks is okay. 41.9 um, on Yahoo. So right now, you know, on, on average, he's about the fifth defenseman off the board where I think that... Um, you know, I think there's a pretty strong case for him being here at number four. Everybody seems to be in love with what Adam Fox did last year. To me, the goal production that Dougie Hamilton offers you is, is invaluable. Um, and it's it's much better than what you're going to get out of Adam Fox. And, and for me, I think it's an obvious choice to go with Dougie Hamilton here at four. You know, we talk about a lack of surrounding cast a little bit with John Carlson compared to those two. But Dougie Hamilton's never really needed a great surrounding cast. He just fires the puck as much as humanly possible and scores goals. Scores goals. Yeah, and that's what you're rostering him for, right? Maybe um, his point production might not reach the peak. It, it will a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about before the show, I, there's just not a lot of guys in the back end that you can bank on to give you any sort of reliable goal scoring production this year. So I do think you need to prioritize that a little bit um, over these just assist monsters that, you know, yeah. tend to be quarterbacks on, on the power play. Um Dougie's obviously a major, major threat to shoot, and he, and he loves to do it often, and we've highlighted that uh, a ton over the years. And, uh, yeah, I think the change of scenery going to a much worse team, obviously, um, but I, I think it is scaring off a lot of people. When Dougie's usage, it's, it's still going to be through the roof, still going to be shooting the puck a ton, uh, and I think he's one of the best bets to lead all defensemen in goals this year. So that's why you know I, I've got him as high as he do because the assists are still going to be – um, respectable too. Like I think he's still going to trend somewhere around 30 assists, even playing with the devil. So uh, at the minimum. And so when you put that on top of his, uh, of his goal scoring, um, that it's enough to get him into the, the top four for me. Yeah. 350 shots over 102 games, the last uh, two seasons combined. And, and those are kind of just like his down years, I guess. I mean, 18 goals in 2019. So 350 shots in 102 games over the last two years, the shot volume is just, insanely good for this guy uh but adam fox was obviously a breakout star last year somebody that was kind of highly touted coming out of college um you know made a bit of waves before he finally landed in the nhl but um you know he seems to be everything that that the rangers expected they were getting and he was outstanding last year and he's been outstanding for two years real quarterback of that power play uh and that's a power play with just a ton of weapons you know panarin uh, Mika's advantage ad, you know, maybe Alexi Lafreniere this year. Like, it's, it's a power play that could get even better uh, this season. So, Adam Fox, number five, very solid number five option for me. It gets a little bit dicier behind him, and I wouldn't really call it dicey. Uh, as it, It's just kind of guys that are have been there for so long that have just done it for so many years. Um, 
and maybe their ceilings aren't quite the same as what they used to be, where I think that this is, is probably a pretty clear tier here in the top five, and then it falls off a little bit, but still a bunch of really, really good defensemen. Yeah, and honestly, depending on, on how it came down to it on draft day, but I might even go for one of these guys behind Fox here just because uh, he does not shoot the puck a lot. Um, less than two shots a game for his career. Obviously only had five goals last year. Uh, like you say, he's an outstanding player, a great puck mover, and you know, a, a really a great playmaker. But um, he's not going to get you anywhere near the goals that some of the like some of these guys could outscore him two or even three to one this year. Because um, yeah, he just doesn't shoot a lot. And then the on ice too, right? Like the Rangers are a great team, but twelve point three. Yeah, twelve point three. Twelve point three percent on ice last year. Like you feel a lot better about the likes of a Makara Hedman sustaining that um, over the course of of the season than obviously you would. Um, with the guy like Fox playing for the Rangers. Obviously, a lot, like I said, a lot of good weapons there. But, uh, yeah, it makes me a little bit weary to think that, you know, might actually be a couple of years before he, you know, can produce at a point-per-game pace over a full 82-game season. I think he's a great young player, but I, I really don't think he's going to score that many goals. I think he'll be fortunate to break double digits. So um, I, I would give a little bit more thought to some of these guys behind him. <laughs> to be honest, um, I kind of just – forgot about Roman Yossi for a second. There I actually go. have Roman Yossi ranked one spot ahead of Adam Fox. I think uh, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't pull it up here. I was having some internet issues and I was like trying to remember. I'm like, I think I have him at number five. But yeah, Adam Fox is our consensus number five. Biebs has him at four. You have him at five. I have him at six. I have Roman Yossi at five, one spot ahead of him. Roman Yossi comes as a, at our consensus number six. Uh, but yeah, Adam Fox, just not a lot of shot volume like you mentioned. And, and there is... There's more red flags in his game than some of the guys around him. A lot, I, pretty much everybody else that we've mentioned so far, their production's pretty much locked in. Yeah, and, you know, he's a young player. He can continue to get better and, and you know, improve some of those underlying numbers, and that'll obviously help mitigate any sort of regression that he might have coming his way. Uh, but, yeah, I still just feel like, you know, anytime you see an increase in shot volume, it when they're shooting as little as he is, it's not going to be like all of a sudden he's shooting three times a game next year. It'll probably be a gradual thing over a few years if he does get anywhere near that. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't think the goal scoring is going to be there this year. So um, I think the only thing that would stop some of maybe a Yossi or even Latang um, from out, out producing him or outvaluing him is, is injury concerns, right? Cause those are a couple of guys who, um, you know, They've been playing in the NHL for a long time, to be fair, but uh, Latang in particular, obviously. Yeah, Yossi's been injury. Always, Yossi's always been a pretty had is a pretty clean bill of health throughout his career. Missed some time last year, but only I think eight games or whatever. So, um, but Latang, obviously, a guy that's pretty banged up, and and they but can't played afford, the full year last they, year. They, yeah, finally, he they can't afford to lose him either. They announced today Malkin out for the first two months of the season. We know Crosby's missing yeah. at least a couple weeks, so. Um, they need Latang to produce, and, and maybe Malkin missing and relying a little bit more on Crosby and Latang is, is going to help Latang early in the season. Um, as for Yossi, why I have him ahead of Fox, just the, the goal production's through the roof. He's scored double digit goals every single year from 2014 to 2020. Only scored eight goals last year, but in 48 games in the shortened season. Obviously, would have been on pace to, to have another double-digit goal season. I think the only real concern with Roman Yossi is the fact that the National Predators seem to be headed in the wrong direction. Um, they've never really had that great of a power play, though, and he's always had this uh, level of production. So I'm not too concerned about Yossi's production going anywhere. Um, I, I guess I am pretty interested to see what losing Ryan Ellis uh, will do to Roman Yossi. If maybe, you know, 
it makes him better because the usage increases. I mean, I don't think the usage can really go up too much. He was 24-21 a year ago, uh, but two seasons prior, 25 or a season prior to that was 25-47. So maybe he gets a little bit of a bump again this year, and it could help his uh, help his overall value with Ellis gone. Um, and obviously, you know, we've seen him play without Ryan Ellis quite a bit. Ryan Ellis, not a guy that's been in the lineup a, a ton uh, throughout his career. But I just think the goal production is so, so strong. In a full season, you can basically uh, punch him in for 15 goals, 40 assists. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that Fox could bust this year. Not bust, but just not quite reach that level where he's being drafted. And, well, and, the and issue- Roman, Yossi can, Roman Yossi could legitimately score 15 goals and 40 assists where there's, there was a an avenue where Fox only finishes with six goals and 40 assists. Yeah. Well, if the on ice shooting percentage falls off or, you know, something happens and his minutes get pulled back, maybe not seen as much time with the top unit, which again, no indication that'll happen. The guy was like a Norris trophy candidate. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, Norris trophy winner, winner, winner. I don't think it actually happened. He did. Do you watch the NHL award show? No, but he won the Norris trophy. I feel a little bit better about not, not realizing that then I don't watch it, but he did win it. Seems like a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just just to point out though, too, the year prior, Norris Trophy winner Roman Yossi. So yeah, there you go. Um, um no, but uh, again, the if the assists fall off at all, like his value is just gonna you plummet. know plummet because there's no goal scoring to, to fall back on. I think which is I'm, a lot more reliable. I think where I'm coming from too in terms of him busting is the fact that his current ADP between both sites is twenty six point nine. Yeah, Roman Yossi fifty point nine. Yeah. So 25 spots later, you're getting Roman Yossi, who I think's production is probably better. Yeah. And then I think you can go another two or three rounds before you find Latang, right? Latang is at 66 overall between the two sites. Yahoo's way down there, though. Yahoo, he's at 78.3. So 53 spots after Adam Fox. Makes no sense at all. I'd probably rather Latang for this season. At that at that point in the draft it's a no-brainer yeah like if you could guarantee like me, for value obviously if you could yeah. guarantee me you're getting chris letang at 78.3 i wouldn't even think about adam fox at 25 25 is like it's insane yeah it's really high it's for a guy who's probably not going to score double digit goals mm-hmm. it makes no sense at all like I don't. I. I. I like. I. I think he's fine at five for me, or six for me. I'm okay with that. I'm okay taking him over Chris Letang, if it comes down to it. But I'm still never reaching for him at 25. No. So he could be my number five, six defenseman. He will never be on my team. Yeah. He will never. Like I will never take him. Yeah. Chris Letang 78 is crazy. Yeah. So I. I think it's safe to say we're not going to end up with Adam Fox in any redraft leagues this season because he's not going to get anywhere close to the point where we would think about taking him. Even though we'd be happy to have him on our team. It's just yeah. Not if as, you could give me him at 78, I'd yeah. be laughing too. I'm right? just not passing up on like you know a top 20 player to make him my my first defenseman. No, absolutely no not. Me either. Um. Okay. So Roman Yossi number six. Chris Letang. We kind of touched on him a little bit. If you want to, you had anything else to really add on Chris Letang? Uh, I, mean, I, think I just think point, he's phenomenal if he's healthy and he's really getting slept on in, in Yahoo this year. So if you're in a Yahoo league, like I, I would be drafting him like two or three rounds before that. Like I think around 50 on, like we have him as our number seven overall D man. So yeah, in current, like in, in ADP, um, you know, it's a little bit better. I think respectable on fan tracks, 53.6. I just like, I don't really know why he would be going so late on yet. I just don't get it. Like, yeah, it 45 points in 55 games last year, 44 points in 61 the year before, 56 and 65 the year before that. Double-digit goals 
in the two like semi full seasons. Yeah. Last year, seven and fifty five. I mean, and those- injuries are are a concern. Fine, but he played. He missed one game last year, and you know he's ADP. He's went only down. missed eleven in the sense. last two years. Yeah. And like, even when he misses time, we always talk still about gets, that. If, he still gets to that yeah. value somehow. If he played the full season, he could have eighty points. Yeah, and it, it it always is baked into his ADP a little bit, right? At least since you know the last, probably the last five or six years after that year where he missed almost half the season, but. Um, but yeah, we, we always talk about how he like, you know, generally with where he goes, he really just needs to play like 70 games to return value on, on that ADP. And I take it a step further and say, if you get him for 60 out of 82 games and you actually get him 78th overall, um, then, you, then, yeah, then you're, you're still laughing. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, all right. Number eight consensus is Shea Theodore. I had him at eight beeps, had him at eight. You have him at 10. Why are you a little bit lower on Shea Theodore than Beebs and I. Honestly, I could probably be convinced to bump him up uh, a little bit. I just thought this was kind of all um, like I'd be happy walking away with him or either of the two guys I had ranked uh, uh, ahead of him. So uh, I kind of just put them all in a blender. I looked at looked at it a little bit, um, thought about really the power plays in general and uh, power play time. Like uh, I know Theodore is going to be the number one option, but there's always that looming threat uh, of petrangelo as well um or even just if they're rolling with both of them back there then not everything's running through theodore so you're not going to get as many of those just secondary apples just from being the bumper man um so yeah i that's the reason why i like barry and our boy aaron ekblad uh, a little bit more um you know they're the number one options on the power play for those two teams yeah exactly and that it, with ekblad in particular was something we were calling for um for a long time but i mean florida and, and emmington obviously um two of the better power plays in the league over the last few years now. And it's obviously no fluke, you know, when you can start off your power play uh, or building it with uh, Barkov and Huberto or Dreisaitl and McDavid, then, you know, you know, it's going to be productive for 82 games uh, regardless of what else is on there. And then, you know, both of those guys um, very good at, 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 you know, they have heavy shots, but also very good at getting their shots through and and finding shooting opportunities. Um, And yeah, like, I don't know. I, maybe you could try to convince me on, on moving Theodore up over those two. It just kind of feels to me, it felt like a toss up and I just like the situations around uh, uh, Ekblad and, and Barry a little bit more, obviously Ekblad uh, very reliable and, and trusted goal scorer. If he's anywhere near healthy, you can pencil him in for double digit goals. And the last few years of how he's been playing, I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes 20 this year, but obviously the assists aren't going to match, um, you know, what Theodore or Barry could potentially do. Yeah. So for me, I think it's just kind of, um, as much as I want to bump Ekblad, you know, uh, to number five, um, <laughs> to the, five. you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just that good. Yeah. The injury concern is just a little too much for me. Like he's just really had a hard time saying it healthy. was a gruesome injury. And I feel like it, it really burns an image in our head. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't blame you for that. Especially for like a guy that we like so much. It's just like he, you know, there, there's, there's real concerns there health wise. And, um, you know, the same can't really be said about Theodore. I mean, 79 games. Played in, in 2019, played the full 71 in 2020, only missed three games a year ago. Um, the shot volume is through the roof. He had 200 shots in each of you know 2019 and 2020. Last year, he was on pace for 249 shots if you extrapolate it over uh, 82 games. The shot volume is just through the roof for him. So I think this, I think that 
really boosts his his value for me. Um, you know, you know he's going to probably be out there for close to 82 games. You know he's going to be firing the, sh- the puck like crazy. You know he's going to be playing um, a ton on the power play. I, I, I get your concerns about the two power plays, but it just really hasn't seemed to, like it didn't slow him down at all last year. He had 42 points in 53 games with Petrangelo there. I, I remember dropping him in my rankings last year because of Petrangelo, but it didn't seem to affect him at all. And I, I'm not that concerned about him anymore. Um, you know, I just, I think that he's, you know, outside of uh, you know, a guy like Dougie Hamilton, he really might be, you know, and then if Brent Burns bounces back a little bit, we'll get to him a little bit later in the show. But, you know, the shot volume here is, is elite for a defenseman. Um, and that's why I have him above uh, Ekblad. You know, the concerns of Ekblad's injuries is kind of the only reason that's keeping him down there. And then Tyson Berry just doesn't have the same goal scoring upside to me. His assist production, he could lead all defensemen in assists this year. Like, he really could. Um, like, on that power play, it's insane. Yeah. So, like, Tyson Berry's outstanding. We are still higher on him than, than pretty much the general public is right now, um, which baffles me. Like, we were so much higher on him than anybody last year. And it made no sense. I, I couldn't figure out why everybody was so low on him. Like he's going to Edmonton. To well, he play. also went to Toronto the year before, and it seemed like another place where he should really produce. But I mean, the power play as a whole. Just but it was also really like click. fighting with Morgan Riley, exactly. where in, in in Edmonton he was PP one day one, and it never changed, and he he ripped it up. So yeah. um, for me, just to kind of um, look at it here, I've got Theodore at eight. Barry at nine, Ekblad at ten. Again, just the injury concerns. You have it the complete opposite direction. Ekblad eight. Barry nine, Theodore ten. Yeah, I do just think maybe the upside that we've seen from uh, Barry in particular, and even Ekblad with last season uh, and that phenomenal start he got off to before the injury, I just think it's a little bit higher than what we've seen from Theodore. I think his best season was like forty six points in seventy something games. So I, I I do still love him. I think he's a great player. Uh, but again, I guess I can just romanticize a little bit more about Ekblad and Barry and and talk myself into them. You know backdooring their way into the top five defensemen uh by the end of the year especially barry um but and then obviously ekblad i think as we say every year could potentially uh lead defenseman and goal scorer and i know i've already said that today about about dougie but ekblad's the other guy with the shot volume is just so reliable mm-hmm. uh save for the obviously the, the ridiculous year he had a couple of years ago where he shot like one or two percent but 3.4 percent but yeah, yeah but again brutal. last year really the first time that we saw him take hold of not just the number one spot on the power play but like Clear cut number one defense. Twenty five minutes a night, like just so much usage. Yeah. And like and he's paired with Mackenzie Weger, who might be the most underappreciated defenseman in the entire NHL. And those two at the top of the, of your blue line, they're going to play a ton. Yeah. And yeah, I like I said, I, I think uh it was really disappointing for a number of reasons his injury last year, but um yeah, it felt like we were finally see him blossom into what we always thought he could be just because he was getting that usage, right? Like just because he was getting the minutes on the power play more than anything. So it's, it's if that happens for a full 82 this season, I'm just excited to see where it goes. We've been championing him on this podcast for years and years and years. I think obviously proximity uh, played a little <laughs> sure. bit of a role in that for us as you know, he grew up in our hometown, but um, it's just, it's amazing to me how like everybody just kind of like slept on him for years. And we were like, yeah, dude, this guy's a God. And now everybody seems like even higher on him than we are yeah and i'm like okay we got, i think there, there's got to be because he is pretty high well hit us with some adps cause... so the adps here between these three we, these three um and again this is the uh, combination between fan tracks and yahoo uh shay theodore 60.5 tyson berry 54 and aaron ekblad 52.7 yeah he doesn't um, he doesn't hit that much but either. he, he but if, if we want to talk on yahoo specifically 75.5 for theodore 63.4 for barry and 48.8 for ekblad 
Um, so he's he's a lot higher um, um, than these two on Yahoo. Uh, hits wise, yeah, he does provide a you know a little bit. He was at 114 in in, in 2019, but last year he had 24 hits in 35 games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's not like that's um, you know the driving right factor. Uh, you know, we we saw it today. You know, Reinhardt was on that top. Uh, Reinhardt was on that top uh, line with Barkoff. Um, you know, Ekblad was back out there saying he's he's feeling good. So you know, everything's kind of lining up the way we expected in Florida. It's just a matter of if it all kind of comes together or not. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to talk about Tyson Berry too too much. You know, like I mentioned, eight goals, forty assists, forty eight points in fifty six games. A guy that rarely misses time. Full fifty six last year, seventy games the year prior. I think it's hard to say because some teams played sixty nine, some teams played seventy one, but I, I think he played every game and then seventy eight the year prior. So really, he's only missed four games in the last three seasons, a guy that you can rely on. Um, the, the real difference here with Barry is that a lot of this guy's production is going to come on the power play, which, which is fine. Um, you know, that power play is insane, but he doesn't see quite the same usage as these other guys. He's still 21 minutes a night, but like that's four less minutes than Ekblad, right? So you're getting a little bit more usage out of some of these other guys. But then once he gets out there on the power play, it's, it's, you know, He's picking up a point. Yeah, it literally goes from Leon to him to McDavid to Leon to him to McDavid. Like yeah, it just those goes bumper points, man. Yeah, and, and he just picks up apples after apple after apple after apple, and it's yeah. just it, it's it's and fun to watch on your fantasy team because you're just like, you know, as long as the opposition goes into the penalty box that night, you're getting a point. <laughs> yeah, it's nice when they don't have to do anything to to pick up points, and that's the situation that Tyson Berry finds himself in. Exactly. Um, all right, let's move on here to our, so we've talked about our top 10. Let's get to 11 here. Cause I think 11 is a little bit controversial, especially when you look at current ADPs. We have Quinn Hughes. Uh, I have him at 13. You have him at 12. Biebs has him at seven, uh, which gets him to our consensus number 11. Uh, but if you look at the general public average ADP on Yahoo is 44.1, 54.8 on fan track. So between the two sites, 49.4 clearly, uh, we are much lower on Quinn Hughes than the other guys around him here. Uh, you know, Yossi, Latang, Theodore, Barry, Ekblad all have higher ADPs uh, than where Quinn Hughes is currently going. I think, you know, again, like part of the reason for me, similar to Kirill Kaprizov, is the fact that this guy still just does not have a contract. Sure. Um, according to Puckpedia and Cap Friendly, they have anywhere between 10 and $12 million in cap space. <laughs> And they haven't signed Elias Pedersen or Quinn Hughes. Oh. So well, you can't sign both for that amount. No. Right? So now um, I see the issue. Part of the concern <laughs> there is 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 that yeah, um, you know, not having a contract. There's just no way you can get and, the and two you, of them like, for the fact six that they mil Still on only have twelve million or ten million, whatever it is. We'll call it eleven. Um, I believe you. It you know. After offloading literally like all of their worst contracts, like like obviously they still brought on you know Oliver Ekman Larson, um, who who has quite a bag. He he brought over to Vancouver with him. Um, I got a funny story about him uh, in a few minutes, but yeah, it's just I don't know. Quinn Hughes obviously a great player, um, but the fact that he doesn't have a contract, <laughs> you know, scares me a little. Do I imagine he'll be out there game one? Uh, most likely, you would hope. Um, yeah, well, running theme here: this guy doesn't shoot the puck a lot. Exactly. Um, he had 98 shots in 56 games last year, not even two shots a game. Uh, so I, you just can't rely on him to score a lot of goals. Um, only shot 3% last year as well, 4.8 in his young career. 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure Beeves called him a poor man's Kale McCarr last year, and it was pretty disrespectful, and it, and it still is. But it, it's also kind of true from a fantasy hockey perspective. Um, I don't, I don't hate the comparison. Yeah, because I do think <laughs> that um, I do think Quinn Hughes on the Colorado Avalanche would probably be putting up similar numbers, but again, doesn't look to be um, as good or, or as um, willing of a shooter as Kale McCarr, and I think that's the biggest difference. And, and you know. Uh, on top of everything else, plus minus a stat in a lot of cat category leagues. Um, and I don't think you can rely on um, any Canucks to really give you a positive return there this season, uh, especially one like Hughes, who is going to play, uh, you know, a lot of his time on the power play where you can only ever be a negative. So, um, yeah, I, you know, nowhere near the goal scoring upside of any of the guys listed above him, even Adam Fox, um, you know, I, I think we can expect to come out a, a few goals ahead uh, of Quinn Hughes. And then his assists just aren't, aren't quite there. I think he's a really great, great young defenseman. Uh, I think even just anywhere near his point production this early in, uh, you know, his career at his age, it's it's super impressive. Uh, and I think, you know, in, in a couple years time, I'll, I'll probably be having him inside the top five of my fantasy D-man. But until he starts to shoot the puck a little bit more uh, and then, until those weapons around him become a little more polished and, and signed. Um, and then, signed. Yeah, I, he's just look, on the outside looking in at my top 10. Yeah, so uh, of all the guys we've talked about right now, uh, or so far, I should say, Quinn he- or Adam Fox is the lowest projected scorer um, in terms of goals at 9.4. Uh, Quinn Hughes I have at 7.1. Uh, but in terms of the actual shot volume, 155. Again, we haven't kind of seen him do it, play for a full season yet. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's most likely not going to be above two shots per game, which is right where I, you know, I have him pegged under under that mark. So, uh, yeah, just a, a lack of goal production. But again, if we if we sort by assist project, projections, which there is about 15 people live on this site right now. So I hope they're not frustrated that I just did that, but I do have Quinn Hughes uh, projected for the second most assists in the NHL or in the um, NHL among defensemen uh, this year. So the, you know, the point production is certainly there, uh, but in a category league where, you know, shots are a thing and goals are a thing. Um, it's just not going to be the same level of production as these guys that are going ahead of them. And um, you know, the ADP again, like we talked about with somebody like Adam Fox, it you can't if you can't score goals it's going to be hard to keep pace with these guys so um i i just you know i love quinn hughes i just can't get him up to that level um here's the other thing that's interesting and i wanted to mention this a little bit earlier is that you know the reason you you you're worried about shea theodore a little bit is alex petrangelo but we also have alex petrangelo in our top 15 he comes in at number 12 uh he's actually tied with morgan riley so morgan riley and, and petrangelo are 12a and 12b um petrangelo i have at 11 and uh morgan riley i have at 12 you have petrangelo at 14 morgan riley at 11 beeps has alex petrangelo at 12 morgan riley at 14 um yeah. So he just wasn't that good last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair. In his first season in Vegas, um, you know, he's only getting older. He's 32 now, and I just think him and Theodore are going to inevitably eat into each other's production uh, a little bit. And you know, we saw Theodore come out on top uh, of that last season, and I just think that's going to be the case again this year. Uh, you know, shot volume was still very good last season, so I, I think that's that's a big plus. Um, played 24 and a half minutes though. So it's not like, you know, they were kind of easing him into this role. They signed him a lot of money and they were 
uh, shoving minutes down his throat right away and an 11% on ice shooting percentage. So when you add in the fact that, uh, you know, this guy's probably not going to be the, the top uh, option on the power play as far as defensemen go. Um, yeah, it, it to me just bumps him down a little bit. Obviously, uh, the goal scoring there over, you know, a, a guy like Morgan Riley probably who had an outlier of a, of a season with 20 goals a couple of years ago but hasn't really come close otherwise. Um, but, yeah, I just think um, for me what, what Chitron showed last season uh, was enough for me to feel half decent enough about bumping him up. Uh, but I know you're also high on uh, another defenseman that they picked up this year, so I'm sure that might have factored into why you're not as high on uh, Chitron as. Uh, no, I I just think like Arizona's gonna suck ass. Uh, I I think Chitron is, is outstanding. I I love him as a player. I just think that they are going to be so bad that um, it's going to be difficult. For, like I I really I I really don't know what to expect from Chitron. I you know he's gonna shoot the puck a ton. He's gonna play a ton. He's going to get all of the opportunities to produce. I think I just, I just think his know. upside is tremendous. Like oh, again, he, I've said this a lot, but uh, he could score like 25 goals this year because he's got like a 7% career shooting percentage in the last couple of years. He's firing the puck three times a game and he yep. still shot 10% last year. So not that I expect him to shoot 10% over a full 82 games, but those 18 goals in just 56 games, a lot less of a fluke than I think a lot of people realize. Well, it, like I think he's a legit goal scorer from the back end and there's just not a lot of it. When you watch them play, like it's literally all he does is like get it back to the point and he does not hesitate and yeah. just fucking fires that thing. I love chicken. I just, I'm, I'm worried about how much time they're even going to spend in the offensive zone to even give him those opportunities. It's going to be a bad hockey team in Arizona this year. So yeah. um, it, my ranking of chicken, which I believe I have him at 14, uh, yeah, I'm at 14. It has nothing to do with Jacob Chikrin, the player. It has everything to do with the Arizona Coyotes and his surrounding cast. But, uh, yeah, Petrangelo, like you said, just not that great last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there is room for, for improvement. He shot a career low. Well, not a career low, but 5.6%, uh, which is much lower than where he's been at in, in previous years. Um, you know, still played 24 minutes a night. I, I think, you know, I had him and Theodore both bumped down quite a bit because we weren't really sure how it was going to work out. Um, and he's, he, you know, his role didn't change a ton, uh, maybe a little bit less power play time, but uh, I, I prefer Theodore of the two. The shot volume is incredible, but Petrangelo really still showed that he can, can produce at, at a pretty, you know, capable clip. And, um, you know, when it comes down to Arizona versus Vegas, I'm going to lean towards Vegas every single time. Um, Morgan Riley, you could talk about him a little bit. You're a resident Leaf fan. We have him tied. Um, again, ADP is very similar for these two guys between the two sites. Uh, 62.6 for Petrangelo, 66.4 for Morgan Riley. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think probably coming off a couple of disappointing seasons, especially when, when you put it in to comparison with that breakout year he had uh, in 2018-19 when he had 72 points, the 20 goals, and, and 52 assists. Um you know, shooting percentage hasn't been anywhere near the 9% that he did that year. Um, and the shot volume has gone back down too, which is like the most, you know, disappointing thing for sure. He had just 101 shots and, and 55 games last season. Um, and was even still kind of, you know, not always on that top power play unit. Um, they weren't stacking the unit as much last season as they had in, in years prior, particularly that, that big year he had again. That was one of the most frustrating things, like as like a fantasy owner of the Maple Leafs or like just like a DFS player or yeah. probably just even a Leafs fan at all. It's just like every single night that power play would struggle and it's like, well, you have just five just ridiculously good players. Just put them out there together. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, 
there's not a whole lot of competition. I expect him to be the quarterback on the power play to start the season. So unless it gets off to a really, really terrible start, um, I, I think we can bank on him holding that role for most of the year. Um, and at the very least, just being on the power play uh, or the same power play unit as Austin Matthews, which is what you really want uh, in Toronto if they are at all splitting up the units. So, um, yeah, I, I think it gives him a pretty reliable floor, um, you know, Again, relatively disappointing years the last two seasons, but I, I still think if he's healthy playing on that top unit, you can bank on him to get to 50 points, and then we know what the ceiling is. And and, and honestly, it's as good as any of these guys have flashed, like 20 goals, 52 assists. Um, that season was ridiculous. I, again, we knew at the time that it was going to be really tough for him to repeat that, but um, if he can get obviously anywhere close to that, then you know he's a steal for where he's going, um, which is you know usually not the case for Maple Leaf. Um, but we've seen it already with Nylander too. So, um, yeah, maybe being slept on just a little bit this season. And I, like I said, you know, doesn't offer the same goal scoring or at least reliability when it comes to goal scoring as some of the other guys we've talked about. Um, but obviously that ceiling is there, 20 goals, um, 72 points. And I still think you can kind of bank on him to come in around 45 to 50 points as his absolute floor. So, uh, I think it's a, it's, you know, a pretty safe pick for where he's going. And then he also has that upside as well. So I really like him for his value right now. I'm sure I know the answer to this question since you've ranked him much higher, but with him and Latang going around the exact same pick, Latang 66, Morgan Riley 66.4. Latang's the pick there, but if if you're sitting there, in the it's draft, on fan tracks, right? Between the both of them, yeah, uh, 66 for both of them. Oh, gotcha. Um, if you're sitting there, obviously one pick behind, and, and Chris Latang goes 65 you're happy with Morgan Riley right there regardless. Yeah, exactly. Like he's a pretty good consolation prize at that point in the draft. Yeah, and again, I, I'm probably taking Latang a, a round or two earlier than that, right? So I'm not saying that, you know, I think it's a toss-up between uh, him or Latang, but I'm, I'm happy to take Riley there at, at that point in the draft because um, I, I think at that point, you know, what is that, like the 10th defenseman off the board? Uh, it would be in and around there, yeah. Yeah, so you're at the point where you've waited to take a defenseman, right? Um and if he is your first defenseman, you can still rely on him to give you 50 points, which you really need at that point if you don't have any of those other top-tier guys. Um, you can rely on that steady floor, and then he still has the upside to you know at, turn the pick into a steal at that point. So, uh, yeah, I really like him um, based on where he's going this season. I think the fact that you can get him outside or even anywhere near um, the 10th defenseman uh, should end up being good value in the long run this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you said, even – if those last two seasons are actually as disappointing as they feel, yeah. he still was on pace. If you extrapolate those two seasons over 82 games for base for 50 points, like yeah. six goals, seven goals in and around there, 43 assists. And if those are disappointing, they're still really good. Yeah. Like we're talking about Adam Fox going 25 and I've already said it on the show that almost exact stat line with that is where Adam Fox could finish at six and 43. Yep. And you're taking him at 25, 45 picks later, you can get Morgan Riley and have a much load, much more loaded, maybe a better goaltender, you know, better, obviously forwards, whatever you do with it there. It just, I guess, again, this is more just Adam Fox slander. And if he goes out and scores 10 goals with 60 assists this year, then shame on me. But yeah. it just, these guys all provide almost the exact same level of value to me. Yeah. And it's just so much better value. So I absolutely love Morgan Riley. And, and if... I think the one thing that has been baffling in recent years is just like how poorly at times that Maple Leaf power play has been. And if it goes 
this year and turns into an Edmonton Oilers level 23% type power play, which I don't think anybody's doubting that it could be. With well, that, they've done it before. But. With that talent level, then Morgan Riley could be a top three maybe number one fan, like number it's one. It's literally overall what thing. happened a, yeah, a couple exactly. years ago, like, right? It, it and can, a little bit of puck luck, but it can, it, the pathway is there. Yeah. And then with this 34, like I said, he's just great value at where he's going right now. You're, you're not like worried that he's going to lose his job halfway through the season. Exactly. So because he's a great defenseman too. So he's going to be playing a ton in all situations and he's going to get those power play minutes. All right. So then 14, we talked about Jacob Chikrin, um a little bit already. Do you have anything else to add on him? Like, obviously we talked about just how the shot volume is just insane. He, 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 yeah. he looks to get the shot, the puck on net as much as, you know, humanly possible. He had 176 shots in just 56 games a year ago, which and is, Still shot 10%. Yeah. Uh, but even if he shoots the career 73%, uh, let, me just pull up, let me just pull up my projections here. Uh, I've got Chikrin at 77 games played, 228 shots, uh, 17 goals, uh, but then just 27 assists because of how bad this team is. Sure, sure. Uh, but if we sort by goals, Dougie Hamilton won at 18.1, Jacob Chikrin two. So uh, goal scoring wise, it doesn't get much better uh, then Jacob Chikrin. Uh, the assist production is is going to be lacking most likely. The the plus minus is probably going to be not good. Um, although he's still a good def- defenseman, I would imagine that their bottom four defensemen are going to get crushed and be yeah. minus twenty five. Jacob Chikrin, I think, could still manage to be half decent in that regard. You know, hover around minus six for the year or something, and not completely cripple you. Power play points obviously going to lack a little bit with the lack of um, you know talent around him, but. It, if he if he goes, you know where we're saying here at fourteen as a defense number two defenseman, you don't need all of that elite production. If yeah. he if he's your number two defenseman and this guy goes out and scores eighteen goals this year, and like you said, he could score twenty five. Yeah, if he does that. It's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and you know, like you said, he's not a perfect fantasy defenseman, but that's why he's ranked 14 and, and not in the top five, right? But he is an elite goal scorer from the back end, uh, and yeah, that to me is enough to to get him into the into the top 15 here because he loves throwing the puck at the net. Uh, even his plus minus hasn't been too bad in recent years, and I, I think a category of leagues, hopefully, you have shots in there as well uh, to help offset that because yeah, he's going to be a, a stud for for shot volume this year. The other thing too, which and so this is where you know we talk about Brady Kachuk and, and some of these guys getting boosted up by their hits in the Yahoo Standard League scoring being hits leagues. Chikrin actually hits a fair a bit, a yeah. fair amount. Fair yeah, on on Yahoo is ADP is ninety, <laughs> yeah, much lower than basically all of these guys. So maybe Arizona's scaring him away, uh, but he's still you know he he will help in that category. Yeah, um, and just a little you know hits one on one for you guys. If you're on a bad team, more opportunities to to rack yes. up the hits. And, and that was the one other thing I was going to say before we move on. He played twenty three twenty three last year. That defense core is is has been basically gutted. Yeah, there's nothing stopping him from playing the Thomas Shabbat role and going out there and playing 27 minutes this year. Yep. Like he could play and never get off. The he ice. could shoot four times a night. He could be the new oh, Brent exactly. Burns. If he goes up to 27 minutes a night, it, it, like <laughs> he might have 400 shots this year. Yeah. It would be insane. Um, all right. And the number 15 for us rounding out the top 15 is Brent Burns. I have him at 15. You had him unranked. Beams had him rated at 15 as well. Uh, I'm going to get to Brent Burns a little bit later in the show. So we're not going to touch on him too much. Now that was our top 15. I'm just going to roll through them again, just to refresh your memory at number one consensus, top 15 defenseman. We've got Kale McCarr of the Colorado avalanche, Victor Hedman, Tampa Bay lightning, John Carlson, Washington capitals, 
Dougie Hamilton of the New Jersey Devils. I almost said Carolina. Her yeah, case. it was a test. Was uh, Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators. Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Shea Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights. Tyson Berry of the Edmonton Oilers. Aaron Ekblad of Bell River. <laughs> Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks. Alex Petroangelo of the Vegas Golden Knights. Morgan Riley, Toronto Maple Leafs. Jacob Chikrin of the Arizona Coyotes. Maybe the Yacob? only Coyote that's going to be drafted this year. Like, really? <laughs> like, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Phil Kessel are going to be all fringy. None of their goalies are getting drafted. He yeah. might be the only one. Yeah. I think we're still rostering Clayton Keller, but uh, we're we're a little weird when it comes to Clayton Keller. Yeah, and even, I don't know if I, like, I Maybe my last dual wing. Come on, sometimes he yeah. he has tri position. No, I, I don't. I don't too. mind Clayton Keller. I just I I think like <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. There's not many. Uh, you know, it could be a rough year in Arizona. So just quickly before we go, we're about to hit the 50 minute mark, which is very quick for our first half for Good for, for us. normal. Um, so just to go over some of kind of the the key uh, day one line combinations that we saw today again none of this stuff's gonna stick and, and, and you know i don't i don't recommend we read too much into i it. do think it's a little bit telling that with some of these guys some, where they have the full team available this is the first look that the coach wants well, to get right this is what he's been thinking about all off season. like what if i play these two guys together how does it look we don't look at you know you don't want to put too much stock in it but a lot of times these things do hold um and obviously they're putting. Yeah, because I don't know for, if if you guys know this, but NHL coaches can be a, a little stubborn sometimes. For sure. So uh, Jesse Puljujarvi and Zach Hyman were with Connor McDavid as we imagined they would be. So not a big shock there. Victor Arvidsson was with Anze Kopitar, as we imagined. Um, a little bit interesting. Jack Stadnika was with Taylor Hall today. So just kind of a name to keep an eye on dynasty formats. Um, he he's seen time, you know. Winter alert. Yeah, we, he's seen time in that top six. Uh, you know, briefly during stints of you know Bergeron or, or Krejci being out. Just a, you know, dynasty league guy to maybe keep an eye on. Blake Coleman, top line with Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk. Pretty interesting. This is probably my brain most- thought you were going to say Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was like, that is interesting. <laughs> Think t- speaking of the lightning, this one's very interesting to me, and I think somebody that really bears watching over the offseason. Tyler Johnson, top line center between Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. Could be the ne- this year's Palat. Yeah, if you if you kind of just pick him up at the end of your draft, I, I think that he is is somebody that definitely you need to be uh, keeping an eye on. That's um, literally what I did with Palat last year, and then I was just waiting to drop him the full season, and, just and he, just, he just never cooled off. Uh, Jared McCann, top line between Jaden Schwartz and, and uh, Jordan Eberle. We Love talked about it. that. Love it. There is a small caveat here, I guess, Uh-oh. and that, that is that Yanni Gord is out until you know maybe okay. middle of November, where, uh, early where, December. Or what are you reading? Where are they thinking they're going to play him position-wise? Is he going to play down the middle? Who, Gord? Yeah. Gord will be a center for sure. I would imagine Gord will, now, though, will probably be their second-line center, Wenberg maybe their third-line center, and all signs are pointing towards McCann with Schwartz and Eberle. Again, it's just day one, but this is kind of what we were expecting to see, and, and so so far, uh, that's what we're getting. Uh, we mentioned Vasily Pudkolzin as a as a rookie on the right wing episode uh, today. They actually went well again. Elias Pettersson not in camp, but the who way- did we mention? Vasily Pudkolzin. <laughs> he. I just wanted to hear you say it again. So. Again, Pedersen not in camp, but the way they they were kind of structuring their lines today, it looks as if it's going to be Pedersen, Miller, Horvat. 
on place? three. On Were you saying there was a placeholder in in the Pedersen spot? Yes. So there's there was three. There, there could be three centers now in the middle. Like Mark Recchi was skating with. Them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what what Pud Collison was doing was he was skating on the right wing with J T Miller and Connor Garland. Again, uh, all reports today were that he looked terrific. So who's the center? J T Miller. Oh, and and Miller played quite a bit of center last year. Right, when, right, right. Once Pedersen went down, but yeah, I didn't know Pedersen if they'd coming, be. That's what I was thinking. So it's, it's looking like they're going to go Pedersen, Miller, Horvat, three separate centers. Uh, the top line was Brock Besser, Nils Hoglander, and then the placeholder for Elias Pedersen, and then Horvat was with Tanner Pearson and Zach McEwen. So poor Horvat. Yeah, bump Horvat down in, in, until things change a little bit. Um, just a couple more to get here to here. Um, Tarasenko was healthy. He was on the ice with St. Louis has not been traded. We should have talked about him on the right wing app. Cause did yep. you hear what like, um, Armstrong was saying? No. So he was saying that they've talked and they've had a, a conversation and Tarasenko's frustrated because he wants to be traded, but he understands how it is. And basically was just saying, uh, if you read between the lines, just saying that Tarasenko understands that his trade value is really low right now and he has a high cap hit. So he understands that it's difficult for them to move him. And Armstrong literally says he understands he needs to have a big season to get what he wants. There you go. And they're going to be happy to take it from him on his way out the door. So Absolutely. I, I think, you know, we're, we slept on Tarasenko a little bit. He deserved uh, some talk on that on the right wing episode. 100%. And I think that we'll, we're, we'll probably do one more, or like a couple more episodes, but one episode I think we should kind of go back and talk about just guys who were just outside that top 15, kind of on the periphery of of, of that list, but that just didn't quite fall into our sleepers uh, episode. So I think Tarasenko would be a prime example of that. Um, anyways, he was skating with Brandon Sod and Robert Thomas. Great for Robert Thomas. Um Clem Costin and Jordan Kyrou were on the top line with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, so a lot of things going on kind of there. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see Zach Sanford not tied to Ryan O'Reilly's hip. We can nice. probably, you know, finally get some value out of him. I would still imagine David Perron moves up to that line within due time. Uh, but those were just kind of some of the interesting lines uh, from today. Um, the other one actually really quickly was in the Rangers. Um, it was Lafreniere. Uh, with Kreider and Zabanajad, which is great for him. And then the second line was Kako with Strom and Panarin. So again, Lafreniere is a guy I mentioned. Kako is a guy that we talked about just to kind of keep an eye on. So And it's uh, smart. They know they can get away with playing Strom with Panarin, right? Like, oh, yeah. They know they're, it's going to turn Strom into a half-decent player. And, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that was the first half of the Daily Faceout podcast presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. When we get back, sleepers, busts, breakouts. SVBs. SBBs. Enjoy the boost Stones for the next 35 to 45 seconds, and we'll see you guys back here in Never a long Welcome back to Season 7, Episode 6 of the DFO Podcast, a very P.K. Subban episode of the show. Uh, 
Brought to you by, of course, our friends at Fantrax. You guys need to ditch your leagues at Yahoo ESPN uh, and come join Fantrax, the very best fantasy sport platform uh, around and going. Go check them out and use the code www.fantrax.com slash DFO and you'll automatically be entered to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. I Boom. swear to God, if Biebs wins that jersey, I'm going to be livid. Livid. I, I'm sure he signed up like with 20 different emails. He said he was so. double digits wouldn't do it justice like three episodes ago. So like he, he's <laughs> he's well over 50. Okay, just briefly. Remember, this is so so off topic, but remember <laughs> um, Fathead? Yeah, like oh the, yeah. Okay, so back in the day, they would do like giveaways and you'd have to like, I can't remember even what you had to do. I, like, I won, we won some like that. Yeah, we won we multiple did, ones. Our one buddy I had a Donald made, Driver like, and a Clay Matthews one that we won and it was in our basement for years. Our one buddy made like, 400 accounts and it was like vote we were like you had to like do something to get like <laughs> it was likes. it was their facebook page and they would post and be like uh you know they'd post some random question and say whichever comment has the most likes uh, right and he would just like them all yeah they were way ahead of the game with their social media marketing i yeah, will that's say pretty good but so because then you know you're telling everyone you know to go to this fat head which we did and, and like the comment but then yeah it was one of our buddies who would i create. think he made like 49 accounts or whatever so you'd automatically start with like yeah. 50 likes but the problem was every email and every account was like the same name or the same email and then just like a number at it like the, you know it he was had just no like idea which email going was which up after a in while. ascending order and then fathead was like yo like this is clearly all the same person so the best was just some of the names like we had but like worked the, a few we times. had the entire d2 mighty ducks team on there like just <laughs> <laughs> gunner stall liked this post like just all anyways that was way off topic but i just reminded me of that anyways uh all right let's get to the sbb portion of the dfo podcast yeah uh if we tell doris to listen to this he's gonna absolutely love it um all right sleepers let's start with the sleepers uh we'll just start with beebs here we'll talk briefly about beebs sleepers busts and breakouts uh so he's got mark giordano of the seattle kraken uh, second Seattle Kraken to make the sleeper portion of the show. We talked about Jared McCann a little while ago. Um, yeah, ADP on Fantrax is 116.2. ADP on Yahoo is 141.6. 128.9 between the two sites. Uh, I think the one thing uh, to say for sure about Mark Giordano is obviously he, he heads to... Uh, Seattle with a higher pedigree than pretty much anybody else on that blue line. Uh, you'd imagine that he would get first crack at uh, at power play time there. Um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about Vince Dunn later in the show. I think those two are really the prime candidates to be on PP1. But I would imagine uh, that they'll give it to Mark Giordano first. Obviously, a guy who, who, you know, at periods of time throughout his career was both underrated and overrated, uh, depending on the season that he had just had. Um, you know, getting up there in age to be sure, 37. He will be 38 by the time the season starts. Coming Legend. off a season where he had just 26 points in 56 games, but two years, I guess three years removed from a 74-point campaign. Um, so, yeah, on a team, you know, this is a guy that used to play 24 minutes a night without question. He was under 23 last time for the first time since 2010. Um, <laughs> so, wow. I would imagine in Seattle... He'll probably Can we see- just appreciate the fact that he played 24 or 25 minutes a night for a decade and he's still out here slaying in the NHL at age 38? And just one Norris Trophy to go along with it. Yeah. Well, and one all-star appearance, really, he was even quite shocking. Well, the Norris was two years ago, too, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he 
fucking 74 points. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Mark Giordano is going to play a huge role for the Kraken. And at his current ADP, which I said between the two sites is 128.9, uh, you're getting him in basically the 11th round. I think you you know he's your fourth defenseman most likely at that point in time. Uh, I think that's a nice flyer. Yeah, I think if you get him as your bench defenseman, uh, you know that's ideal, right? Because obviously we know what the what the ceiling is. 74 points just two years ago. I don't think we expect anywhere near that, but I think he could be a nice surprise for a lot of people this season if he gets that that minutes or those minutes and and that usage. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, he was definitely worth a mention on the show, and it was a good pick by Beebs. And, and again, 128 between the two sites, 141 on Yahoo, though. So basically, you know, 13th, 14th round on Yahoo. So you can definitely get them at the bottom of your roster there. Um, all right. I actually wrote up your sleeper uh, as a guy that I really liked mm. uh, as a sleeper defenseman this year. So I'll let you start. I wrote up both these guys in the same column. Uh, and, and I absolutely love both of our, our sleeper picks. So we'll let you start with Zach Rowenski, ADP 99.8 on Fantrax, 113.3 on Yahoo. Between the two sites, 106.5. Yeah, he just missed out on the top 15 for me, honestly. Same um, here. He was 16. Yeah, and it just comes down to the goal scoring, right? Like 20 goals in 63 games two years ago, seven goals in 35 last year. Um, saw a bit of a downtick, but I mean, that, that team in general, obviously – um, had a bit of an offseason. So we talked about how, you know, there's some regression to be had there, especially for a guy like Line. So hopefully Wurensky is a part of that. But again, uh, you know, for how ladies going, uh, goal scoring on the back end, it's going to be really, really hard to find this season. I think people are going to be chasing goals for defensemen, you know, once we get a few months into the season, because there just doesn't look to be a lot of great goal scoring options out there. So yes, Wurensky, you know, he's never going to be a guy that's going to rack up a ton of assists, especially on this Columbus team. But uh, you know, again, I think that's well factored into this ADP. I think it's great value at this point. Uh, just because the shot volume, you know, it's going to be through the roof. It makes the goal scoring very reliable year to year. Um, you know, it's not a coincidence that he's got double digit goals every year that he's played in the league, except for last year where he, you know, played just 35 games, but obviously well over, um, double digit pace over the full 82 last year uh, as well. And again, come, that's a down year for him. And, we know what the upside is. Like I said, 20 goal upside, uh, the assists, you know, I don't think we can really expect them to be there. Yeah. Seth Jones leaving this year, I think is one thing that does help him, right? He's going to have, uh, he's going yeah, to have on, more maybe. opportunity on the top power play unit. Um, you know, even if it's, even if it's, you know, it was mostly his to begin with. Um, now he really doesn't have a whole lot to fight with. I mean, Adam Boquist could obviously give him a little bit of a run for his money, but this, he isn't literally a premier goal scorer at the defenseman position, right? Like, um, you know, right now, 10th round ADP is ridiculous. Uh, I think a lot of it was the fact to do, you know, he missed some time last year, 21 games injury. Um, but yeah, with Jones and Savard too, like Savard was a guy that ate a ton of minutes there, no longer in Columbus. He's going to be a guy that's going to eat huge minutes, I think, this year. And then just like we mentioned a couple weeks ago with Patrick Laine, the coaching change to a team that's going to be more offensive-minded um, should should definitely help him. So yeah, I mean, he's never put up a ton of assists uh, on a year-to-year basis. But, you know, if you get, uh, you know, 33 assists out of him like he did in 2019, he had 36 in his rookie year. If he's somewhere in that mid-30s range with 15 goals... It's an absolute steal in the 10th round of the draft. Yeah, and if obviously if Line A gets going and Marinsky's the guy on that top power play, then certainly, um, you know, we could maybe see him pat his assist totals more than we've seen uh, in recent seasons. And, and who knows how far Marinsky's usage can climb at this point. 
Uh, but yeah, a lot of extra minutes to go around in that in that back end this year. So um, certainly isn't going to be losing any any usage with with the change of the coaching staff or anything like that. So nothing to worry about there. Like I said, I just think he's a really, really safe pick in terms of the goal scoring. And there's obviously a, a ton of upside there as well. So I think he's a, a steal for where he's going right now. Yeah, it, it, it's bizarre to me that I think that a lot of the general public, at least if you take a look at ADPs, and kind of just it's been the theme of today's episode, is just that people are overlooking how valuable these goal-scoring defensemen really are. Yeah. Like defensemen. It was a, not great English, but defensemen uh, really are – and they're they're kind of just looking, you know. If you, I mean, obviously, fifty assists from a defenseman is valuable as well. But uh, guys that can get to fifty goals, it, 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 you said it, it's hard to come by. Uh, speaking of defensemen that could probably score fifty goals, uh, he was my number fifteen overall defenseman, and my sleeper is Brent Burns, ADP of one hundred uh, on Fantrax, one thirty on Yahoo for a one hundred. Um, and 15 overall ADP. Uh, it's been kind of a quick fall from grace for Brent Burns, but I, I think people have quickly forgotten just how good uh, he was just a few seasons ago. Um, and to see him going around 130 really doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, I mean, he's still a guy, yeah, the shot volume has fallen off a little bit, but... This guy from 2016 to 2019 led all defensemen in goals, points, power play points, and shots. I mean, what more are you looking for? So um, I think it would be foolish to expect that level of production in 2022, obviously, but I think it would be equally as foolish to let him fall to where he's being drafted right now, which is the number 28 defenseman overall on Yahoo. Um, in his two down years, if you want to call him that, Burns has not missed a game while still averaging 236 shots, 12 goals, and 36 assists per 82 games. So that's 48 points and 236 shots with double-digit goals. I mean, to me, you could reasonably consider that Brent Burns's floor coming into this season. Like, And, and even if that is how he finishes, where he's being drafted right now it's an absolute steal I I don't understand how people could have gone you know so crazy for him and then let him drop this far it makes no sense he played 26 minutes a night last year his you know his on ice shooting percentage was down in comparison to the years prior which you know explains a little bit of of the you know lack of production the shot volume is obviously down a little bit but still he's not going to shoot 300 times but if he gets you to 230 240 250 He's an absolute steal at this point in the draft. I like. I don't think I sh- I have to sell these. You know, our listeners on Brent Burns. I think all of our listeners are educated enough to see that ADP and be like, "This is absurd." Yeah, it, it makes no sense to me. And so I wrote an article right at the start of kind of the the, the fantasy hockey season. And he was going around 130, and I was like, this is ridiculous. It's way too late. But I literally titled that article, reading into the probably too early ADPs. It has not changed. It has not moved at all. So this is going to be where Brent Burns gets drafted, and it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, You know, he missed out on the top 15 for me, um, but not by much. Obviously, I I think I – because, you know, when we do this, I I usually crank out about 20 or, or 25 names. Uh, and then try to narrow it down from there. So I think he ended up about two or three spots out. And I would say the only thing that's given me a little bit of pause and, you know, uh, the only reason that I have him ranked a little bit lower. And again, I, I think he's an absolute steal at 130. But um, I don't really see any way where he gets back to his normal heights. And I, I know you're not you're not suggesting that at all. No. But the, you know, the, the general overall arcing themes of 
what maybe what be behind the scenes of you know his numbers falling off a bit in the last couple of seasons it coincides with the team around him getting a whole lot worse and him getting older and neither of those two things have changed so that's the only reason why he stayed out of my top 15 uh but absolutely if i if i get him you know anywhere close to uh being my second or even my third defenseman with where he's going right now like it's a it's a crazy crazy steal like he's definitely still obviously a starting defenseman in fantasy hockey because like you're talking about his floor right of, of being what it was 48 points yeah double digit goals and especially with leagues that, that have um, shots as a category as well, uh, still going to be incredibly valuable there on the back end. So I do think he's on the decline, and I do think that team is on the decline, but I, I know you're not saying it's not. But, um, yeah, I look at a couple of those other guys in, in terms of the raw rankings uh, around him in the top 15, 16, 17 that maybe I want before him, but with where he's going in the draft, the, the value is crazy. Yeah, right and now. that's why he's my sleeper, right? So yeah. even if he's your number 17 defenseman and he's being drafted at 28, oh, yeah. he – to you, he's still a solid number two fantasy defenseman being drafted as a low end number three, basically. Exactly. So it, it, the value is incredible. Um, even with the, I think the one thing too that it, it, it is really scarring people perhaps is that his shot volume was so high that now that it's like meh, it seems so low. But he's still probably going to finish top five in at the position. In that category, yeah, it's just not going to be three hundred. Well, he's just not going to lead the league. Exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it's not going to be three hundred, but it's going yeah. to be two forty, and that is still ridiculously high uh, for a defenseman. So yeah. um, he is my sleeper at one fifty between the two sites, one thirty on DraftKings, one hundred point six on Fantrax. Um, all right, let's talk about busts, uh, fades as well. Sorry, or busts <laughs> or fades, whichever way you want them. Well, it's, yeah, it doesn't sound as good with like the SBB thing if we throw an F in there, but we know. It's, yeah. Anyways, it's more of a fade. Thing. We know. Uh, yeah, we're not because again, none of these guys I, I think are bad hockey players. They're just not guys I'm drafting this year. Um, just like Adam Fox, I think we could throw into the fade list. Just at that ADP, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. For Beebs, it's Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, and Beebs must really dislike Oliver Ekman Larson because his ADP is 151. So he's just like, I'm not even drafting this guy whatsoever. <laughs> and if you maybe look he's on saying it's a it's a, a validated ADP. Perhaps. If you look on Twitter today, uh, I think it was, I can't remember his name, Chris Faber, I believe is his name. Um, he tweeted, uh, OEL, and it was bag skates, and OEL barely made it through. And I mean barely. He looked out of shape. Now, there were some comments um, that were saying, you know, maybe he just worked his ass off, you know, first day with his new team, worked his ass off in the drills, just didn't have anything left in the bag skate. And perhaps, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drag. Some will say training camp. Is so you can get in there. Exactly. And, and, and I'm not going to drag OEL. That's not my job. Uh, the yeah. Vancouver Canucks fans, they will do that for me. Well, they uh, should they, do the bag skate. They, they are going see to. How far behind they end up with the rest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are going to drag his ass. It's going to be a tough year, I think, for OEL with that contract um, in, in Vancouver. Moving from a, a market of Arizona to Vancouver is not going to be an easy transition. Um, just quickly, Joe, too, I, I also saw a comment that said. Uh, well, he is playing at altitude now, which is not true. Uh, but <laughs> you know, Twitter gone Twitter. So OEL at one uh, one fifty one point six. I think just the real issue for for Beebs is, is just you know Ekman Larson's game has completely fallen off. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to eat you know twenty five minutes a night anymore. Uh, he's likely not even going to be on the top power play unit, considering Quinn Hughes is still there. And now, if Quinn Hughes holds out and doesn't play the entire season, I think at one sixty one, Oliver Ekman Larson may be a value. Uh, but Quinn Hughes should sign. I just think that there's not a a great avenue for success for Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, so Beebs is fading him there. He's really just not a fan. I still think that Ekman Larson is a guy that could score 
double-digit goals this year. Yeah. Um, and, and as a, f- a fifth defenseman at the end of the draft, I don't think it's terrible. Especially in leagues that don't factor in plus minus, because we I, I talked about it with with Quinn Hughes. It's probably going to be a rough year out in Vancouver. Uh, I you know the, it seems like any progress that they've made within the last couple seasons, they took a step back this off season, unfortunately. But um, yeah, we'll see uh, again. But they haven't been the, the best team at five v five in the last few years, and it doesn't seem like that's going to change. So, um, but yeah, there's obviously still a, a little bit of upside there. Um, so maybe he's worth a flyer, but um, I also get where Beebs is saying that. It, I feel like that's just Beebs saying like, there's no bounce back coming here. There's no reason to yeah, get excited no about the change of scenery or anything like that. And, and you know what? It, I, I agree with him completely because the drop-off already started last year, right? Yeah. It, it, last year he went from, you know, a guy that played 23, 24, 25 minutes years leading up to it. He dropped down to just under 21 minutes a night. His shot volume fell off a cliff. Uh, you, you know, in his last full season, he had 176 shots the year before that 202, he was on pace for 148 shots last year. So almost 30 less shots, uh, you know, in a full season. Yeah. Uh, obviously that is, you know, probably directly correlated to the minutes, uh, drop, but it's not going up in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, and and a, a lot of people didn't really understand this move. Obviously it was a, a big cap move, but this is a team that already struggles mightily defensively struggles in their own end. They were, I think the worst team defensively last year in terms of giving up scoring chances, you know, against and over Ekman Larson, not a great defenseman, great offensively, just not a great in his own zone defenseman. You already got Quinn Hughes on your team. So it's going to be, it's going to get even worse. Yeah. But anyways, let's move on here to our fade busts. Um, we'll start with you. You have Darnell nurse at 42.2 on fan track, 69.6 on Yahoo for an ADP of 55.9. Now I think that both mine and your bust, we're calling it an SBB are more or less just fades. I think that if we could get either one of these two guys, mine's Charlie McAvoy, yours is Darnell Nurse, later in the draft, we happily would. Yeah. But at their current ADPs, 55.9 for Darnell Nurse, (sighs) 63.7 for Charlie McAvoy, it is hard fades for both of us. Yeah, because, I mean, that's like ranking Nurse inside the top 10, which um, he scored 16 goals in the shortened season a year ago, and obviously that's where most of this is stemming from. Uh, he doubled his career shooting percentage and shot 10.4%. Um, you know, saw an uptick in shot volume as well, which was great to see. But uh, again, I don't expect him, basically, I don't expect him to get anywhere near that that goal scoring this year. Um, I, he is, you know, a relatively reliable goal scorer, which is why I'd be happy to have him on my team. But uh, I expect him to be a lot closer to 10 goals this year um, than 20, like he was on pace for last season. Or, or you know, I'd be surprised if he... Uh, gets back to 15 this this season and then uh, on top of that because Tyson Berry is there in Edmonton and he's playing that bumper role in the power play and he's leading all those PP1 minutes uh, it just caps Nurse's uh, upside when it comes to assists and point production in general um, which is a shame because that's you know it's not the most uh, I guess natural part of his game he's a, he's a defenseman where he gets in the offensive zone uh, he likes to put the puck on net he likes to find shoe lanes because he does have uh, a very heavy shot so it makes sense um, but yeah it just the way he approaches this game in the offensive zone, it doesn't lead to the to the best point production. So I think being on that top power play would unlock, you know, another layer of potential for Darnell Nurse. It would help, you know, offset any potential regression he has coming to his personal shooting percentage this year. And, you know, his goal scoring would probably, you know, probably stand flat a little bit as a result. But we don't anticipate that happening at all. He's going to be playing a ton of minutes killing penalties. He's going to be playing a ton of the hardest minutes at 5v5 because he's a fantastic two-way defenseman. Uh, and I think, you know, with his shooting percentage, there's no way 
I'd be shocked if he continues to shoot three times a game and also shoots 10% for the full 82 games. So it's going to come back down to his career average around 5%. He'll probably tap out around 10 goals, 25, maybe 30 assists. So at that point, yeah, it's rosterable because he's going to get you double-digit goals and around half a point a game, but he shouldn't be going within the top 10 of defensemen. Uh, also a plus 27 last year, which I'm sure is factoring into that as well. It's definitely too, right? Yeah, all of it, right? But and then, yeah, it all bo- helped boost up his ranking last year and just a lot of stuff that I don't really expect to repeat itself in Edmonton this year. So, um, yeah, great, fantastic two-way defenseman, but I don't think he should be going in the top 10. I, I honestly would probably have him closer ranked to 30 than 10. But Yeah, and again, hits leagues I think would be a little bit different. That's definitely bumping him up two years ago uh, in 71 games and 172 hits. So over a full season, maybe a guy that gets to 200 hits. And if that's your jam, I think you can bump him up. Uh, and again, you can use my customizable rankings, which if you add in hits, we'll, we'll showcase that he yeah. is better than where we would normally have him ranked in a non-hits league. Uh, you you outlined it perfectly, but have I don't think in our seven years now of doing this podcast, have we ever seen a guy go from 2% shooting to... 10 like how does that happen and it's not the first time he shot two percent this season he shot three percent he shot two and a half percent he's done multiple times and then he goes to 10 it's just like what happens when it's it helps sorry when it's only a 56 game season right right? but it also is just like so alarming yeah it's like like 10 percent for defenseman is already alarming but then like you're like oh maybe he could maintain seven percent or six percent like some other guys do but he has been nowhere close to that throughout. You know, it's not a short career. This is that was his seventh year of the NHL. Yeah, he's a volume shooter. It's just like it's never going to happen for him. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just way too high. And I don't. He's just I, not going to get the PP one minutes. They have no reason to, because like I said, he's a fantastic two way defenseman. He's a fantastic defenseman in his own end, and he's going to be playing a ton of minutes. You know, shorthanded and at five v five, they're happy to let Tyson Berry, the power play specialist, eat all those minutes. At power play one. So unless there's a big injury to Tyson Berry, uh, I don't think there's any way that, you know, Darnell Nurse gets anywhere close to sneaking into the top 10 fantasy defenseman this season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think there's almost the exact same case for Charlie McAvoy. Uh, He's currently being selected as a low-end defenseman one, which is the 12th uh, D-man off the board right now. Uh, And to me, he should be going much later. He's often injured, really, uh, is the first concern. Uh, and, And... he has struggled, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, to maintain a spot on wide receiver one. I looked at the football game for a second. <laughs> on power play one in previous years, and you know Matt Grizzlick is still in town. It's still going to be an issue. Um, like If we're talking real life, McAvoy is legitimately one of the best defensemen in the NHL, but we've talked about how that doesn't always lead to fantasy success. Um, I would imagine that most of his preseason stock is being boosted by his point-per-game performance in the playoffs a year ago. Uh, but the reality is he's probably closer to a 45-point defenseman, and that is you know, somebody we've talked about many of them today that you can get much later in the draft. Uh, now, here's the one thing I will say. I, I, I'm releasing an article in the coming days uh, with a breakout from each player, or from each team, excuse me. And to me, on the Boston Bruins, it, it is Charlie McAvoy, probably the most likely to break out, because if he does land on PP1 for the entire season, then it could unlock a lot of production. He was on power play one for the entire playoffs last year, and he had eight power play assists in 11 games. So again, that's probably not sustainable. But if he does land on that top power play unit for the whole year, I think there is an avenue for him to be very, very good in fantasy hockey. 
and maybe justify that draft pick. But it could. you shouldn't be drafting on the best case scenario, right? Exactly. There's many players going around him after him that we've talked about today that I would much rather have in their current situation because I know exactly what they're going to get. Yeah. Uh, so 63.7 on between the two sites. Just to give you an idea, uh, Chris Letang, Morgan Riley, Brent Burns, Jacob Chikrin, four guys that were in our top 50 that are going after him between the two sites. On Yahoo, it's even worse. On Yahoo, he's going uh, 59.9. We're talking about Yossi going after him, Letang, Theodore, Barry, Chikrin, and Burns. Six guys in our top 50 that are going after him. And more uh, guys outside of that that we would still... Oh, yeah, you, you can keep going down the list, and, yeah. and it gets worse. So, uh, to me, Charlie McAvoy, yeah, there's just too much that could go wrong um, and too many defensemen where I know exactly what you're getting out of them. Uh, again, probably a little bit boosted up by hits, uh, but still, he's, he's right around about 1.2 hits per game, so it's not like it's even that crazy. It's just way, way too high uh, for a guy who, who too many things can just kind of go wrong, whether it be injury, whether it be power play usage. Fade for me. Let's yeah. talk about breakouts for this year. Uh, for Beebs, we mentioned his name a little bit earlier in the show. It is Adam Boquist uh, heading from Chicago to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Basically on draft at this point, Fantrax 198.4, 167.7 on Yahoo, 183.1 between the two sites. So uh, if Beebs has got him pegged as a breakout, definitely somebody you should be targeting, you know, in keeper, dynasty leagues, late drafts, uh, you know, basically, again, undrafted. So he could be at the bottom of your roster. Somebody who, who warranted power play time in Chicago. Um, I guess my only concern was that he, you know, he did see power play time on one of the best power plays in the league. Now he goes to Columbus where he's going to be fighting with Zach Rowenski, um, and may not see that power play one time. But he's a guy that ha- has scored at every single level uh, and is definitely going to have many good offensive years in his future. And who knows? You know, maybe he takes an Adam Fox approach this year. Uh, and, and is really somebody that kind of takes that next step because he was pretty solid, all things considered, last year. Yeah. Um, so I, I like Boquist a lot. You know, I think it, if I if it were me, I think this might be, you know, one year too early. I would say maybe next year is, is probably his true breakout uh, or when I would expect it. But at 183.1, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think it's a good shout. And honestly, it feels like one of those years where there's not really any – young emerging defensive talents that we're kind of looking for and, and waiting to break out. Like I think him Quinn and Jamie Drysdale are the only two that yeah. are really kind of on the cusp. Yeah. And maybe um, Moritz Sider in Detroit, and, but I don't think he's going to play enough power play yeah. time to really. And, and that happens, right? Like the defenseman in fantasy hockey, it's a very stable position year to year. And it can take a, a, you know, a few years for guys to, to break in. Cause it, it takes not only the, the right kind of player, in the right kind of situation, but also good players around him, right? A ton of power play minutes on, on a, on a shitty team, uh, doesn't always equal success. So, um, yeah, there, I don't think there's a lot of ton of obvious options this year. I do like Miro Heiskanen, uh, to potentially take another step forward this season. That's who I went with as my breakout. Uh, it's funny cause I'm pretty sure I had him as a bust or a fade last year. Absolutely. But he was, his ADP was through the roof and it was coming off that playoff performance where he was just outstanding, like Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, 26 points in 27 games. Uh, that finals appearance that the Stars had, he was phenomenal. But there was a lot of red flags in those underlying numbers that, uh, you know, kind of had us thinking that it was going to be another year or two before maybe he reached those heights 
over a full 82 game season. And, uh, you know, sure enough, he did come back down to earth over last year's regular season, uh, 27 points in 55 games, obviously a far cry from the 26 and 27 he put up in the postseason. But I, I think everyone who knows watches, um, the stars or is at all familiar with Miro Heiskinen's game. Uh, I, I do think this guy is a star in the making. I think it's only a matter of time. Klingberg is still there, uh, you know, potentially eating up a lot of power play minutes. So again, maybe it isn't this season, uh, but Heiskanen did sneak into my top 15 uh, simply because I think he's a better goal scorer from the back end than people realize. And I, you know, it's, I think he's a COVID kid. So I think it comes with the territory. He played the one full season uh, where he scored 12 goals in 82 games and then eight and 68 and eight and 55. So should have been another couple of double ditch seasons for Heiskanen. We even talk, we would be talking about how reliable of a goal scorer he is, but these shortened seasons with these shortened samples, sizes they play with our minds a little bit uh and i think a lot of people got burned with high skin in last year maybe didn't uh see the red flags that we saw didn't in his, listen to the podcast yeah yeah exactly didn't didn't see the concern in his playoff performance um but yeah i, I do just think it's a matter of time with this guy he's playing more and more i think he's going to be seeing more pp one time hopefully this season they you know a lot of times too they like to have both of them out there um, and yeah, I think he's a really, again, a safe bet to hit double digit goals. Um, I think even if he doesn't see a big uptick in power play time, he can still get you, uh, around 25 to, to 30 assists. So it's a really comfortable floor there. And then we saw a couple of years ago when he's at his best, what he's capable of, uh, again, uh, needs to continue to improve from year to year, um, to maybe improve some of those underlying numbers. And again, I don't think he'll be a point per game player this season, but I, I certainly think, um, that with that as his floor, like I said, 10 goals, maybe 30 assists, um, there's an opportunity. And like we say, there's a, a logical path here for him, uh, to really kind of push himself into the top 10. Uh, and you know, it's coming with some good value this year because a lot of people, like I said, got burned from him last year and his ADP kind of reflects that. Yeah. And I, Again, I've, I've mentioned this before, projections are, are not always, you know, what's they're not somebody's ceiling, right? They're kind of just an average of, of what you could expect. And uh, he comes in at 11 goals, 30 assists, so uh, an 11 and 30 for 42 points. Uh, very stable floor. The shot volume is solid, 191. Uh, plays a ton, 24, almost 25 minutes a night. Uh, a guy that you know covers power play points and can cover it even more, it, like you said, if he gets a little bit more usage. So uh, with that kind of floor it's it's hard to envision um you know not getting the value out of him with where he's currently going where it was just like the complete opposite last year right yeah. i think like almost he it seems like every single year there's a couple guys right that just kind of especially defensemen move up too much cuz it's like it is a volatile position in in comparison to the the forward positions so uh, you know, Heiskin, it, 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 we talk about it a lot. There's there's situations where this does happen, where there are busts one year and our targets the next year because it just swings almost too far in the opposite direction yeah. uh, after a, you know, a slightly disappointing season. And that's exactly what you're getting with Miro Heiskin right now. Between the two sites, 92.2, uh, 103.4 on fan track. So tremendous value for a guy that you can bank on for 40 points and double-digit goals for sure. And like I said, it, it kind of seems like a transitional year or maybe a, I shouldn't say transitional, complete opposite. It's a stagnant year in terms of fantasy uh, hockey defenseman. Uh, I think, you know, I don't really expect that a, a guy like Adam Fox will just break onto the scene 
um, this season. It doesn't look like there's a whole lot of opportunities for that to happen this year. But, uh, you know, Heiskin, I think, is a great example of a guy who's been very productive at 5v5. And if he sees that uptick in the power play time, um, then he could really take a step forward. And, you know, I, I think we should point out, too, that Dallas's power play was phenomenal for, uh, you know, one of the best in the league the last time Tyler Sagan was healthy. So um, if it can get anywhere near that, you know, sort of efficiency with the man advantage and then you're looking at you know if Heiskanen can sneak onto the power play it would obviously be a very nice bonus to his 5v5 production which is already pretty reliable so yeah I, I think that he carries a bit of a bus moniker from just how highly he was ranked last season yeah. and I think it overshadows how reliable of a goal scorer he is um, so yeah you tack that floor on with the upside um, obviously we're talking about breakouts but just great value overall this year I forgot to mention this earlier in our kind of preview of, of of new lines around the NHL um, for Dallas uh, a little bit of a, a wrinkle this year is it looks like hints Seagan Jamie Ben Radic Faxa down the middle Jamie Ben no longer a left winger Jamie Ben no longer in the top six that's what that says to me yeah Jason Robertson Rupe hints Joe Pavelski unsurprisingly together on the top line in practice or training camp today Seagan flanked by Radulov and Yoel Kiva Ranta today, uh, and that, then that Michael Raffle, JB Ben, Dennis Giryanov on the uh, on the third line. So they look, got uh, Michael Raffle. When did that happen? Yeah, they got uh, Michael Raffle and Luke Glendening to go along with Ryan Suter and Braden Holpe this offseason. A bit of a bizarre offseason for sure. I don't know why they have four goalies. I, 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 I it's baffling. And then Ben Bishop all of a sudden was in fucking training camp and wants to play a preseason game. I thought he was out for the year. He's like. Not ahead in his rehab. He's like significantly ahead. So now they have Jake Ottinger, who was pretty good last year. Yeah, he did solid. Anton Hudobin, still there. Still good. Ben Bishop, still there and still, still good. Yeah. And Brandon Holby. They have four like NHL capable goalies. Brandon Holby's probably And like the worst three over 35. Well, I don't know how old Bishop is, but. He's getting up there. Yeah. They're all over 30 for sure. Uh, all right. Let's just wrap up today's show with my breakout, and then we'll let you guys go. Last episode, me and D got a little carried away. I think we were up over two hours, but that's all right. We're, we're much better today. Uh, my breakout is Vince Dunn. So uh, a little bit different than kind of, I guess, what Beebs was thinking with Mark Giordano uh, as his sleeper, but I think that both could certainly work. Vince Dunn is a guy uh, who's just kind of seen his minutes increase year after year after year. Um, and this year, I think they can obviously reach an all-time high heading to Seattle where they really just kind of lack uh, a bunch of talent. In his first three seasons with the Blues, Dunn averaged nine goals and 19 assists uh, for 28 points while playing just 17 minutes a night. Uh, his usage increased drastically last year. He went up to 19 minutes and 15 seconds uh, and scored an 11-goal, 27-assist, 38 points per 82-game pace. Uh, obviously, like I said, moving from St. Louis to Seattle in the expansion draft should help him play even more minutes this year. He should be up over 20 minutes a night and will be among the top power play options for the Kraken. It'll be him or Mark Giordano uh, at, at that at the helm of PP1 there, I would imagine. So right now, he's currently being drafted in the 13th round of drafts. So you can get him as your fourth, fifth defenseman. Um, and he's somebody that, you know, we've actually talked about prior uh, to this show, episode in, in years past. It's just somebody who could kind of sneak uh, sneak into the back end of being, you know, a really solid fantasy defenseman. Last year, he was pretty solid. Again, double-digit goal pace. So, uh, with a big increase in minutes, if he ends up on that power play one, which we've mentioned might not be terrible, you know, you've got Jordan Eberle, you've got Jared McCann, 
You've got um, Schwartz. Jaden Schwartz. You've got Jonas Donskoy probably playing that Maybe Yanni Gord. Yeah, maybe Yanni Gord. When it's, he comes not back. Like, it's not great. No, we're I, really I, trying no, to convince I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's great. No. But it might be better than 10 other power plays in the NHL. Seven? Five? Like, it's going to be better than Arizona. Well, yeah, there's 32 maybe. teams now, right? Or 31? 32. 32. It's going to be better than Detroit's, probably. Hopefully. It's going to be better than Buffalo's. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be the worst. So I, I think It could that, be, but <laughs> I don't think we should say it won't be. I'm not saying it's going to be the worst. I would say, like, if we get to the end of the season and Seattle's at, like, a 9% for their power play, I'm not going to be like, what? You know what's really <laughs> fucked up is that I think we're all just like, look what Vegas did. How do we, like, how... Like, when Vegas came in, we looked at that roster, we're like, they're fucking garbage. I kind of feel like we also know what to look out for now, though. And, like, who are these guys that, like, you know, really great relative to the minutes they were playing and could look good in an expanded role? And it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of Vince that. Vince Dunn and Seattle. Jared McCann. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Yanni Gord when he gets back. Yeah. He but already, he, he already just played a lot. offensive ceiling. And he already played a lot with better players, so. Yeah. I think Jared McCann and, and Vince Dunn. Philip Grubauer, Chris Dreger. Like, I think Philip Grubauer is obviously worse than he's going to be last year playing for the Colorado Avalanche, yeah. but I think he could still be serviceable on a, on a half-decent team. I so, have a little bit of hesitance there because you have to have amazing splits to be on a bad team and, you know, be worth starting night in, night out. So maybe he's a guy that you really have to play so the matchups I, I, on. I think he's a good goalie, though. I so. guess this is a good segue before we head out of here i did release and i think you guys should all go check it out a 2022 fantasy hockey strength of schedule so what i did was i took a look at every team's offensive uh and defensive rates over the last couple of seasons three seasons weighted them you got too uh, much time on your hands weighted them according this is my job (laughs) uh and strength of schedule for skaters so guys teams that are played in the schedule where they are facing shittier defenses more often than not um if we want to just take a quick look at the top five, the Calgary Flames were number one, the Vegas Golden Knights were number two, and they were one and two by a mile. Uh, and then three, four, five are pretty close. It's the Avalanche, the Wild, and the Blues. So I think one thing that really sticks out is out west, there's going to be a lot of goal scoring this year. If we want to take a look at goalies, Vegas comes out at the top. Again, we'll get to goalies a little bit more in the next episode. But um, Seattle is... 22nd in terms of the goalie strength of schedule. So not only are they maybe not going to be a great team, but the schedule is not great, hurting uh, Philip Grubauer even further. But again, we'll get to that in the next episode. But strength of schedule for skaters, Seattle, number seven, seventh best. So Jared McCann, Jaden Schwartz, Jordan Everett, those guys might be all right. Yeah. Vince Dunn, Mark Giordano, might be okay. But anyways, be right. that was season seven, episode six of the Daily Faceout podcast presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. I'm Brock Stiggy. We got Dylan D. Bertham here. Michael Buse Bondi will be back with us in our goalies episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we will see you guys back here next time. Peace. You're telling them that you need a man in who you can defend. Will I be the gasoline to keep you alive? And I'll be the cold, so unbreakable. We burn together straight through the night. And that's all.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.